What's going on? What's going on, everybody who's actually listening to this podcast right now? First of all, guys, welcome to the Nikhil Sai Show, which is hosted by me, the Nikhil Sai. And guess what's going on today? We're back with another amazing episode of a two karma club interview. So pay close attention. So guess who is actually joining us today? This guest has a phenomenal story. He's been in the mountains of Afghanistan, serving U.S. Army. You know, for the past. few years and where he actually honed his skills in persuasion influence and special tactics mainly operations and after learning those tactics you know in and honing his skill set in operations uh, and he actually helped a company called musical you and who which is actually a online music education company and helped them to create better business operations and help them grow past seven figures mark and grew them to a bigger team like 20 and above right and that's when adam really realized that he has a special skill set in building better operations and that is the birth of smooth operation system so this guy who is joining us today will actually blow your mind and show you how to be a better operator and not get burned out at all by having clarity in your business with laser focus so let's not waste any time and actually welcome the two karma club winner adam hey adam Hey Nikhil, thank thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Uh, thank you. Absolutely, we are excited for this podcast. I think this is going to be super super amazing. Uh, so Adam, I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? Like looking at your journey, where you actually started to where you are into marketing and operations and helping different companies. You know, coming from army background, I would really love to hear like a quick backstory, like how did all of this crazy journey started? You know, from your youngest yourself to what's going on right now. Yeah, for sure. So I actually started as a professional musician. That was my goal in life as a young man. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming out of music school, the war was going on, and uh, I enlisted specifically to go fight in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I started my army journey actually in the army bands, which is a far different cry from what I ended up doing. After a couple of years in the army bands, I got recruited into special ops. Found myself. deploying many more times all over the world they had a total of six combat deployments all over, in multiple different continents uh but leading small teams and honing my skills honing my ability to communicate and and do even start doing information campaigns because a lot of what we do actually in special operations is not all just about shooting it's about persuading influencing shaping the battlefield um so that ultimately peace can prevail um As I was re- nearing the end of that army journey because it is definitely a young man's game, I returned to music. I found my mm-hmm. passion back, came to music, started at Musical U. I was the fourth hire on that team. And at th- that time we were doing about 300k a year. Okay. And after a couple of months, we started to feel that thing that starts to happen when companies grow. And I suddenly found myself in an operations role. I was hired as a marketer, but I was an available body so I had to fill the the operations role. Mm-hmm. And there was definitely struggles along the way. It was as the company was growing I felt this immense pressure on me that was building and it was through that pressure that I found better systems of operating, better systems of running my team, of actually leading my team rather than just managing my team. What did that do for me? It made my job actually a whole lot easier. I was working less. I had much less stress, but the team did better. We did better. We that led to our exponential growth. It was by relieving that pressure that I was feeling that the CEO was feeling that we were able to then see 
the next steps and be able to take those steps with confidence and move forward and ultimately get got our two comma club uh, just about two months ago in Florida where we got to meet Russell briefly and uh, sharing that awesome experience. And now I'm helping other entrepreneurs do the same thing. So getting to meet all these other entrepreneurs, hearing their experiences and now getting to help them. It's, it's amazing what happens in life when you're living your purpose. It's, it's truly wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree. I mean, the sense of adding value is, is immense. Like when you're actually seeing impact while you're moving stuff and business grows, right? It kind of yeah. changes the whole, you know, subconscious. I'm, I mean, I could really, uh, I have seen this happening in my own team. So I kind of talk from experience when you actually lead people instead of trying to manage them, there's just, it's two different things, right? They feel differently. They, they perceive you differently and they act differently. And they're no longer waiting for the paycheck. They're waiting for the business to grow more or less, right? So now I would love to ask a little bit because you've been in U.S. Army for, you know, a pretty long time. And I think that kind of gave you so much, uh, you know, I think think the soldier mindset and, you know, how you actually associate a small team and how you show the mission and vision and prepare, you know, yourself and the team to even uh, give up, you know, your own life, you know, if, if that comes in, right? You don't, you don't give up, you know. To your mission mm-hmm. you give up yourself in, in in any cases so that mindset and stuff how did that actually help how did that experience actually help when you actually started uh your music career back absolutely uh the first thing i would say is that my experience in the army taught me that i am actually much stronger than i would ever give myself credit for uh we we tell ourselves stories of like how long we can work how hard we can work what we can withstand These bodies and these minds we're given are actually really amazing machines that can do just about anything. If you think you're at your limit, just go further. Just make it one more hour, one more, one more email sent, one more, you know, Facebook Live. You can always do one more. You can go further than you ever thought possible if you just focus on one more. So that's the that's the biggest mindset shift that I had and having that inner strength, it continues to give. I just remember one more, one more. The other thing I I really value is that, you know, we get this perception of what military leadership is and it's give orders and people follow them. Yeah, that's cute. That doesn't actually happen. And it doesn't happen in business either. Being a leader is not about giving orders. It's not about telling someone to do something and they automatically doing it, do it. Being a leader is about inspiring a vision. It's about encouraging people to follow you. When you get people to follow you instead of being ordered by you, that is when you're going to build a team that can do anything. And instead of honing on your, uh, you know, your management skills or anything, if we focus on our leadership skills and become better leaders, that is when we're going to have an impact. That's when we're going to see people follow us. And it's such an amazing thing that happens when you actually have people saying, what's next? What's next? How can I help? When that happens on a team, brother, you got like a rocket ship ready to take off. And it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I believe, yeah, great products and great services are only fulfilled by people who are motivated by themselves. And a paycheck won't really motivate that much. It's it's a piece oh. of it, I'm sure. Like, but the vision and the, the attractive character they are sticking towards to be in that company is, I think, the much bigger, you know, creature they create as a team, the culture they create between them while they actually process. I think that's much more bigger. I, I really am uh, fascinated, you know, with this stuff. So let's get to the next question, brother. 
it, it is really crazy, you know, within the past few years, what you have done at Musical You. Would you mind, I mean, giving like a glimpse of, okay, you joined at 200K and you almost like 3X their business within like very short period of time. How did you actually do it? What was like the action plan, execution plan of you jumping in, moving the stuff and, you know, helping the business mm-hmm. grow past some years? Absolutely. So the first step was we really had to have a common operational framework is the phrase I used in my program. Mm -hmm. When we're working from the same sheet of music, when we're working from the same plan, Mm -hmm. that's when we can take a lot of the guesswork out of things. So when we first started, when we first realized we needed structures, everything was being left to chance. Even basic things like who's hosting the live call, who's editing the video for replay. Who's managing these discussion boards? Who's checking the comments on the Facebook group? Nothing was being tracked. Nothing was being managed. Once we put that into a system, take care of your uh, what, I, uh, what are recurring tasks, the things that just have to happen in the business. If we take care of that first, then that's going to enable the project-based things that are going to actually grow the business. So take stock of your team as it is, all the tasks that have to happen, and find a way to make it viewable, make it accountable. For me, I'm an Asana nerd. I love that project management system, but it doesn't matter what system you're using. If you're on Monday or what's the one I'm hearing now, ClickUp. It doesn't matter what tool it is, but just have a tool where everything is organized in one place. Everyone Mm -hmm. can see what their responsibilities are. That Mm -hmm. gives people predictability on what they need to do and accountability for that they've actually done it. So that was really the first step. Uh, From there, it was about continuing to look right, figuring out where I needed to contribute more. And the way I did that more than anything was by a very incredibly painful time study where I would, I print out a sheet, uh, 14 sheets of paper. And for 14 days, I track out what I'm doing every 15 minutes of the day for 14 days. We're really bad at tracking our own time. We're really bad at tracking where our time is going. When you do it in this way, in this type of format, it's painful. It's it's painful to do. It's painful to see the results because you see where your time wasters are. You see where your actual contribution is. And we're really horrible at estimating it. That provides the roadmap for what you need to offload, for where you need to move yourself. And from there, it's about SOPing and hiring. (laughs) You know, you figure out what you need to offload, figure out a plan to do it, and you not only hire great people, but you onboard them. And and that's kind of the missing thing, I think, from a lot of things that I've heard from other entrepreneurs. Hiring is not as simple as, great, you're a good person, here's the SOP, you got it. No. Those first 90 days that someone's with you are the most important 90 days in your relationship with them. If you invest that time, and it's not a lot of time, I'm talking if you get on a Zoom call with them 15 to 20 minutes a day for their first 90 days to provide feedback, to provide support, a conduit for their questions, Mm -hmm. you're going to see a high performer in a very, very short period of time. You're going to see someone that's connected to you in a very deep way. And I've seen it over and over again. My retention rate on my employees is ridiculously high. I've lost two employees in my entire time doing this. Wow. I've even, uh, the, One of my employees that I hired, I hired her as a part-time person. And I knew from day two of her onboarding that I just hired a rock star. 
and I'm going to dedicate myself to this relationship. So I turned her into full time. And eventually I turned her into my replacement in the day to day of running that business. Oh my goodness. Started as part time. Right? Wow. Yes. She started as a part time education assistant. She's now the full time director of operations in that company. But it's because I invested in her and went, I'm going to make this relationship close. I'm going to support the heck out of this lady because she is ridiculously talented. I, you know, she just fits the mold. She fits our culture. Everyone else likes her. Why am I not going to invest the time in her? No, I'm going to because it's going to be worth it. And it proved mm -hmm. it in the end. So it, it all becomes about that. Now, the one thing I'll say about offloading, there's this misconception I think we all have about offloading. And we always look to what we call like our lower level task. Like, oh, I need someone to check my email. I need someone to check the Facebook group. Like those kind of tasks. I would challenge everyone listening Yes, you do need to offload those for sure. You also need to offload your areas of highest contribution. If you're doing something in the business that can be SOP'd, that does not require your voice or your face, you can offload it. Mm. So an interesting thing happened along this journey is at one point, I was still running all of our email automation. I was running all of the stuff in Infusionsoft but I knew it like the back of my hand. What does that mean? It means I can SOP it. It means I can teach it to someone else. When I offloaded that, it created a space within me that I had to fill because I was putting my creative self, my passion was in our email automation. When I offloaded that, I had a void in my life and I filled it with another revenue generating activity that did almost another million dollars in the next year just mm. by offloading something that was taking a lot of my time. Yeah, true. I mean, of course, as an entrepreneur, right, you kind of stage up. And I think, yeah, when you find something very interesting as well, that's a piece of your business. I think it absolutely makes sense to offload. And I'm glad that you actually pulled it up. When you actually try and track, like, as you're doing this, my Clockify is already running. Once you get the sheet and you look at that, you should be like, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm jumping from task to task, like, you know, every three yeah. minutes. And, that's the only reason I only got five things done today instead of 15, which I had in my to-do list, right? So that, right. that really makes sense. I think this is one of the biggest takeaway for everybody, guys. If you're not time tracking, you should be. It's as simple as building an Excel sheet to using a free software like Clockify. There is Hubstaff. There's just so many other softwares you should be getting on. But time track for you and your teammates can give you so much more focus. And Adam, I really like the fact that you pull this up of taking somebody from you know like really just virtually helping you part-time to making them to a very key operator in the business now i would love to hear from you your opinion on this like so many businesses right when they're especially growing they overstress on oh market you need to sell more and oh you need to hire people they'll figure it out right but like operations is kind of like this is kind of boring stuff for a lot of people because they don't <laughs> have the phone for it marketing is good to talk about their Pulling right. people to talk about, but operations, like it's very low people's, you know, cup of tea. I would love to hear mm -hmm. your focus. How should actually business owners, you know, refocus their operations training and onboarding? How you would do it if, if I get you one of the rock stars? How would you do it like in a 90-day sprint? Would you mind walking us through? For sure. So let's start with a basic premise. Mm -hmm. I don't care what business you're in. Mm -hmm. You are in the people business first. The biggest problem that we have 
in our interpersonal relationships and how we're building relationships is that people there's there's there needs to be a care you need to give a care about your people you need to come at it with that heart-centered focus on i'm gonna give myself to this person as well they are an employee for Mm -hmm. sure but that doesn't matter i need to give of myself to this relationship to make it really work when you start with that premise that you're going to give and you're going to be their punching bag at times you're going to be their emotional support start with that premise what does that look like on the tactical level in the 90-day process um the first 30 days are very sequenced where we go through their task. I use a crawl, walk, run phase for how I train someone up in a task. In the crawl phase, they are watching me do it or watching whoever they're taking it over from do it. They're in the passenger seat just observing and able to ask questions. We then move into the walk phase where they're doing the task, but someone else is watching them. And they're again, you're you have that immediate feedback. If you're doing something wrong, if you have questions, if you need clarification. After you move through the walk phase, you get into the run phase. And what happens in the run phase? This is where a lot of us tend to just drop it off and say, well, they got it. No. In the run phase, you let someone do the task on their own accord whenever it's on their schedule. And then we go in as their their, uh, supervisor and check over what they did. Here's the key. When you're doing that, you do not fix it for them. You turn back on Loom or ScreenFlow and you point out the errors and then you hand it back to them to fix. Mm. So you're providing that reinforcement, that continual learning. And they also know that, oh, Adam's checking my stuff. Adam is going in there, making sure that I'm getting this right, helping me out, helping me to continue to grow. All of that is about building that trust, that relationship, that I am not just someone here to tell you what to do and to pin to nitpick when you do something wrong, I'm here to help you grow into the person that I know you can become. Uh, All throughout this journey, we are meeting daily, 15 to 30 minutes a day, every single day to check on their progress, to check on their onboarding into the company. Uh, It then we do a weekly review every week, and this continues for the full 90 days. By the end of it, you get on that call and it's a little like, how's everything going today? Good. Great. Any questions? Nope. Okay. Well, if you have anything, let me know. You're going to reach that point in it. And there's no reason to force a conversation because he said you're going to have a 15 minute call. If it takes three minutes, it takes three minutes. Mm. But like I said, you're reinforcing that connection. You're reinforcing that support. And I like to equate it as when I bring a team member on, I feel like I want to wrap them in a big, just a blanket of support where they know that there's other team members out there that even though we're remote, it was like 99% of us all remote virtual businesses, right? Mm-hmm. It's too easy to dismiss that as saying, Oh, that they got that. They got that. True. We can reinforce some of the same things we see in a actual physical environment, but in our virtual ecosphere, just by having those connection points. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I, it totally makes sense. You know, like, when you actually get a new team member, so many people don't set expectations and mm-hmm. they overhire in the first place because, oh, we're going to scale past. We need more virtual assistants. We need more teammates. Let's hire them. And the first 30 days, they don't even teach them anything. So what they train themselves on, they train to be lazy. And the second 60 days, you want them to perform like crazy. They already are trained to be lazy. And you right. never give them 
instructions. You never check their work and they get frustrated suddenly because you're giving salary and you didn't ask them to do anything the first month. Then you're asking to do so much without any training. And then you right. get stuck. Okay, these guys can't do. Let's just fire them and let's do it ourselves. So I think that's a bad momentum every business carries. I mean, I've been there. Uh, I've done that a few times as well. But I think you should learn past that scale and really understand, you know, the exact strategy you explained, which is being available while making sure that they're available for you at the same time and maintaining that accountability. Uh, mm -hmm. I love it. I would love to go uh, quickly over some misconceptions on running smooth operations of main business, like, you know, as an entrepreneur, especially digitally, like people have misconceptions. Oh, I cannot keep my, you know, work time for eight hours, you know, or, you know, people just, just don't do it. Important stuff. I, I need to keep it on my plate as a business owner. Mm. How do you look at that? What are the main misconceptions you think entrepreneurs need to avoid while they're building teams? That's a very good question. Um, I think a lot of us talk ourselves into this idea that it's something only I can do. Like mm -hmm. I have this special sauce that only I can do. And I'm guilty of it too. I mean, we all are. We can all look in the mirror and say, oh, remember that time you did that? Yeah, exactly. Um, but the idea that no one else can do things for you. I was just talking to a gentleman the other day on a, a, a discovery call. We were doing some strategy and he said, well, the problem is I hire people and they're just not as good as me. I'm like, well, not yet. I mean, you can't not like it's not put, possible. Not, put not yet into your vocabulary and you'll be better yeah. off for it. When you hire people that are capable, I'm far more interested in hiring someone that is the, the phrase I use is intellectual curiosity. If they're curious, their love of learning, they like to read, they like to listen to podcasts, they watch YouTube videos, like all these little key characteristics that we know about ourselves that are an indicator of that we're a love of learning. If we find that in people, is it really that hard to teach someone how to do your email automation? Is it really that hard to teach someone how to manage your Facebook ads? Those are all skills. We can train skills. So... Yeah, it, it, it's partially about getting out of our own way. I think as entrepreneurs, what I would say to anyone saying, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but take yourself into dreamland for a little bit and just go for a walk, leave the computer beside and just ask yourself, what do I really want to do? What is the area of this business that makes me the happiest? That is my highest level of contribution that fills my soul. And what if I could do more of that? What would be my dream come true scenario of mm. my day-to-day -day life? When you answer that, I promise you, those other tasks aren't in that plan. Are they are part of that vision. Lean towards your vision and just let go. When we let go, it's so hard. It is hard to do. Yeah. Yep. It was hard for me to hand over my baby in Infusionsoft and all the campaigns I'd created that, quite frankly, I, I could probably do a case study just on how to make super sexy Infusionsoft campaigns. But that's not my highest area of contribution. Not even close. I had to let it go. Yep. Yep. It was by dreaming of that vision that I was able to talk myself into it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I agree. Like this, this was with me, like when I was starting, you know, when I was like building my own funnels and stuff, I was like, no many, how many projects I get, I'll still be building funnels. I, I build the graphics, the logos, the, the Photoshop stuff. And then 
like after that i would really see like okay it's it's good to let other people who are much better than me they put more hours more you know like decades of experience in building websites yeah. and funnels and graphics let them do it and i would do something important which is building business making the team work together and all of that stuff and yeah it's hard to let go i was like super emotional like i am starting as this guy then why am i changing but you need to that's how business grows the same guy would be that yeah. freelancer who is stuck at income roller coaster more or less right but i really appreciate you bringing that up adam this is this is really cool now and let's the, talk the, the cool thing to caveat on that um you know i just heard russell brunson speak a couple months ago he mm-hmm. still spends at, even at his level he still spends one day a week building funnels because that's <laughs> part of his identity and so the neat part about offloading and when you're doing it from that supporting role you're not actually letting it go you're still involved in it. You still have your place in it. Mm. Your place is now at a higher level. So you're still yeah. going to, if you're afraid of losing that part of your identity, you're still going to have that part of your identity. It's just going to be at a higher level. So if that can yeah. talk anyone out of that fear, that's what been my experience is your, yeah, your sure. level is just at a higher level now. Yeah. I still make sure that the supervision is always there because you can't, you can offload it, but you can't let it completely go from your hand because that's going to crash for sure. If you don't even, supervision it right and i really love the fact that you bring up this specific keyword you know uh, that you know uh, intellect curiosity i think that's really important especially when you're hiring and picking the right cherries for your team i i believe that's how you grow that team from four to 20 and you know help it grow past seven figures it's really you know picking the right people now Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, i have you know uh, one more question it's really interesting to see when somebody, because everybody feels this as an entrepreneur, it's not about how, you know, are you good at operations or are you not? It's more about how good you are, right? So in that case, everybody needs to have like a series of actions they need to look at and improve their business operations. Like, you know, how would you look at improving operations fast? How, what is kind of your framework in, you know, getting into new business, looking at that and being like, okay, these are the few things. Here's how we do it. Action plan. Would you mind sharing a little bit about like a fast action plan to keep smooth operations bottom line? Yeah, for sure. So the first step is always take stock of your current business. You know, we can dream of whatever's next, but let's take stock of what we currently have. Let's actually get things on paper. And it's not sexy, but it's it's effective. It's something as simple as an organizational chart. What mm-hmm. does your organization actually look like? who's reporting to who, where, and when you put it visually, you can see the breakdown in structure. You can see where someone's out here in left field with no one they're reporting to or no one that's reporting to them. I like to take organizational charts to another level though, where we're not just putting a title on someone, but we're actually then listing their task underneath them and what they're actually handling. Mm -hmm. When we do that, we see where our where our out of balances are. We see where someone may be overloaded, where someone may be underloaded and where we can start to crossload things. So by putting it visually, actually putting it on paper, doing the hard work to visualize that and then communicating it. Your team has to be aware of everything that's going on in the business. They need to be aware of their role in it. They need to be aware of Bob's role over here who's doing the video editing and Susie's role who's doing the marketing. Like, when you are a transparent company and you lead with that, that transparency, you get a lot of buy-in from your team. 
and what the amazing thing that you're going to see is you're also going to see your A players start to rise because they're going to have ideas too. And so that, that fun little thing happens just by as simple as visualizing what we're doing, putting it on paper. That's mm -hmm. really the first step. From there, it's about cataloging everything that we possibly can, making mm -hmm. sure we're working from an area of predictability that is not only with the aforementioned uh, recurring tasks that I was talking about as far as who's managing the Facebook group today, who's doing the email blast, all that stuff is documented, but you also want to have predictability in your meeting structure. We need to have a consistent communication cadence within our team. If you're going to have a Monday stand-up meeting, it needs to be the same time every Monday. It needs to be agenda-driven. It needs to be outcome-oriented. Mm. That provides structure, stability, and most importantly for your team, predictability. When you build those things, you're building the foundation that you can build everything else from. So I, I was thinking about this before, where when we think of really so strong structures, like uh, there was a physics experiment we did when I was a kid where we had to build something out of balsa wood and put an egg in it and throw it off the roof of our school. The most complex one, the most, the ones with the most connection points were the strongest. We know that from, from architecture, from engineering, the devices with the most connection points are the strongest. So yep. I'd ask you, what connection points are you building in your company? All these little things I was talking about, the recurring tasks, the meetings, the, any kind of daily interaction you're doing as the leader. Are you doing a daily interaction, a video for your team, a Slack message for your team, some kind of connection point? When we build connection points, we make our company our unit strong, strong units can withstand pressure. They can yeah. withstand stress. I think this is a big one. That was big. And, yeah. yeah. So look for as many connection points as possible. One thing I used to do because mm -hmm. our team was remote. Uh, CEO lived in London. I live in Ohio. We had a team member in New Zealand. We couldn't meet every day. It wasn't geographically possible. Yeah. So I would jump on Zoom every day and record a four to five minute video to the cloud. And it was my personal welcome to the day. Here's what we got going on. Got any questions? Got anything you need support on? My open hours are from 12 to 2. I'll have the Google chat room open. Simple as that. But that was a connection point. <laughs> I mean, I think that access means a lot for especially people. Yeah. It, it just shows like, okay, this guy's open to help. If I'm struggling or if I feel like I'm accomplishing less, they could have a conversation because I I had like some hard conversation with, you know, uh, business, uh, you know, uh, especially teammates. And you ask like, hey, why are you underperforming? And then they start saying like, I never know that I should overperform. I don't know what metric I should be measured on. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I felt like I didn't have support. I think having that open room, an open table to have a conversation is really a good step for everybody to move forward. That was really amazing, Adam. Really appreciate you getting details into operation. Now, I have a series of questions which are going to be very interesting for the viewers. I would really love to get started with, you know, the tools you actually use to, you know, manage your clients and your projects for productivity and your team management. Yeah, for sure. Uh, biggest tool I use is Asana. Uh, I have everything built into Asana, even my own personal daily morning routine is in Asana. So mm -hmm. yeah, that, that's my biggest one I use. Um, I use a physical planner. You know, we, we have these remote, you know, 
these tools we can use. I find something incredible about writing something down. We know uh, scientifically there is a connection between our pen and paper that creates a different neural connection in our mind. Um, mm -hmm. That's definitely huge. Uh, as far as any other like communication, I use Slack a ton, of course, like everyone else, and, and Zoom. But we don't have to overthink this, right? If it's more about consistency within a tool. So that's where Asana has really become my bread and butter. I've just built everything out into there and managed my entire life through that one tool. And that's been, that's been the biggest step forward for me. Yep. That's pretty awesome. Just in case, like, do you have any specific tool for SOPing? Like we actually use oh. Notion. Do you have any, anything like that? Any other tech staff you actually use? Yeah. I use the most basic way of SOPing possible. I use ScreenFlow. <laughs> so guys, you don't need crazy HubSpot, this and that, $2,000 a month, crazy tools. You could even do it on a Google Doc. So don't oh, make yeah. any your SOPs, okay? That's where most people get mixed, mixed up with SOPs. They start thinking towards technical solutions. Here's the thing. I, I, I do a two-step process for SOPing. First, I film myself doing it. And I don't just film me doing it. I narrate it. So I'll be talking through my steps. And here's the crazy thing that happens, guys. You're going to do it. You're going to watch the replay. Or you're going to be in the middle of it and you're going to go, why am I doing it this way? This is stupid. There's a way more productive. You're going to talk yourself into a better way of doing it. So you're going to have to do like a version two or a version three. But you'll get it by version three. I then uh, get a transcript done. And the actual written, do this step, do that step in a Google Doc or in an Asana template, mm -hmm. I don't do that. The person I'm offloading it to does. Because that way they're watching my SOP video with intention because they mm. know they have to document it. What does that do whenever we're watching a video and we're actually having to do something with it? We're watching it at a higher level. We're watching it with much more attention to detail and yep. the actual application of things. So it's just, yeah, it doesn't have to be complex. I like it. I mean, that's a good strategy for SOPing. So in case if you're lazy to, you know, just record a Zoom while you're doing it and then have who you want to offset that task to, to, you know, kind of transcribe that stuff. Uh, one tool I personally use to kind of create SOPs, it's called Scribe. Uh, any viewers who, who is watching, that that's a good one. Like it, it really takes you, it really kind of already documents every movement you're doing, every click you're doing in like step-by-step -step tasks. So it literally creates like a checklist after you end the operation completely. So mm -hmm. it's like a manual for anybody. So Adam, let's get to the next question. I would love to hear uh, as an operation person, your daily routine for your success. How does that look like? For sure. Um, so I start every morning with a gigantic 32 ounce jug of water. Wake up and I overdrink. Uh, water gives us strength. We know that scientifically. It's our super fuel. So start with water. I then go to the gym and I pump iron. I listen to some podcasts, but I get my me time in first. And I, I, I'm a firm believer in sweat equity. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I get that into my day first. I then devote some time to family. I think our family, our relationships, they can be easy to underappreciate. So I, I get home from the gym in time to spend breakfast and some morning time with my children. So the most important thing in my world right now. So I get that fixed in. Once I actually get to the office, I do daily planning every single day in my physical planner. I don't, you'll hear a lot of people talk about doing it the night before. I don't, I haven't really found a lot of success with that. 
because by mm-hmm. the time the morning runs around, I don't want to do what I thought I was going to do. Um, so I do my daily planning and then I take some more time for me. I read. So I read every day and spend some time, uh, spend some spiritual time as well. I do uh, daily prayers, uh, whatever your, your faith is or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Some spiritual time, some connection to something higher than ourselves. It really sets a good framework and a good foundation for moving into the day. And all this happens before I check my email. Mm. I do not check my email before doing any of this. I take care of me first and then jump into work. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And once you get into operations, it's all about goals, tasks, you know, and guiding the team, being a leader, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. I would love to hear, like, if you get a chance to talk to 20-year-old yourself, you know, if you could just go back and, like, you know, give yourself a suggestion, what would that be? What the one thing you say yourself to? Oh, 20-year-old Adam. I would have probably told him to get a haircut. He had really long hair. <laughs> um, hmm. I think knowing what I know now, I would have gotten started in this online game a long time ago. Because <laughs> I would, I I see these these young bucks out there just crushing it, and I'm just like, man. <laughs> I, uh, to be honest, this this gets. I would have told 20-year-old Adam, hey, that girl you're with, marry her sooner. Because I waited a little bit. And we ended up getting married. But I would have said, you have no idea the happiness that's waiting for you. Mm. Marry her sooner. Okay, wow. That's a big one. Appreciate you mentioning that. I would love to hear your life's biggest achievements and any next bigger goals in business. Hmm. My biggest achievement is is that team I built. I, it, it's building a team of people that just genuinely it, it was it was a great relationship. That's a to good know point. to know that I had this group of real people around me just supporting me every step of the way. They were yeah. taking my lead. And they were running with it and they were, they're doing great things. And that whole process of building that team, finding my leadership, finding my own voice. That's one that can't be replaced. It's not an award. It's not a decoration on your wall, but it's a feeling that you'll, once you do it, you know how to do it and you're going to be able to do it over and over again. Exactly. That's a magical thing. I'll tell you this. Very few people actually said that. that. That really shows that you really care for leadership instead of teaching leadership. Like that's two different things. And and I love that you actually brought it up. Any bigger goals, anything you're aiming, you know, in the, in the coming year and two? Yeah, I got a huge goal. And that's that I've seen how operating systems can be built. And there's a popular one that's being prescribed to a lot of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna, and it all has to do with that integrator role in a company. Um, I have experience with that role. I was an integrator before I was an operator. It's a different dynamic. Mm. The integrator role scales to a level. And then there's this really weird inflection point when you're scaling where the integrator role is so heavy and it darn near broke me. 
Like I was working 60 hours a week. I needed three to four drinks every night just to calm, come down. I was stressed. I, I, every bad trait you could pick back up, I picked back up. It was when I discovered how to really be an operator, how to really lead the team and build those structures around me rather than that single point of failure. That's the integrator model. That's when I found tremendous personal and business success. So that's my bigger goal is to completely upend that, that business model and instead focus on more structure without that one point of failure. That is the integrator model. Yeah, true. I mean, I love it. I could see how it impacts real businesses on scale. Let's get to the next question. Any biggest mistake in your business looking backward? Like, okay, I should have done that better. I could have done that much easier. How, how does that look like for you? Mm, man, that's a hard one. <laughs> biggest mistake in my life. There was one relationship I had, mm -hmm. a business relationship that just went south. Mm. And it went south really hard. And it's still painful to think about because it was a very close relationship. But ultimately, it didn't work. And I had to walk away from that relationship entirely. The thing was, reflecting back on it, it could have been avoided what ended up causing that rift between us and the rift between us was caused by lack of transparency. Now it, it was on his end. So, but no blame, no body because I needed to address the fact that the lack of transparency was causing me issues and not yeah. speaking up for myself, not being my biggest advocate to say, brother, you're really causing me a lot of apprehension mm. because I don't have transparency. I don't know all the details that I should know about. And not speaking up for myself there, I'd say is the absolute biggest mistake. True. I mean, yeah, I mean, I appreciate you sharing that. I think that's a big one. Everybody in their business, they always have this one thing going on where they need more transparency. And I think this will help entrepreneurs who are listening to speak up for what they need to know, you know, what's going on. And it's always good. Like once you open it up, it might not be what you're thinking it is. You could have a conversation about that and you could fix it too, if there's a chance, right? Mm -hmm. Let's get to the next question. Your main, your main inspiration for success and key people involved in the journey. My main inspiration is these four little people that look to me every day. My four children. They are the reason I get up, the reason I push as hard as I do. The reason I want to change the world is so that I can continue to show them the way and the way to live life. Mm -hmm. Uh Key persons, my wife is my biggest fan, my biggest advocate. My parents absolutely have been tremendous in their support for me. There's one particular army leader. He was my, my squad sergeant. That guy pushed me harder than I've ever been pushed in my life. <laughs> but he became my best friend, and we, we, we managed some stuff together, but he was – Brian, I don't can't imagine Brian's listening to this podcast, but Brian, I'm talking to you, buddy. So thanks for everything. Yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate that. Now, Adam, that was wonderful, like spot on, amazing podcast episode. If anybody needs more help with smooth operations, how do they get in touch? 
Sure. You can find me on my website. It's uh, adamliette.com. So audio, A-D-A-M-L-I-E-T-T-E. I do have a free hiring course talking about um, some of the hiring stuff I processes I use that might be helpful. I can provide that link and we can put it in the show notes or under, under here as well. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I can take that course free of charge. And I have my own podcast called the Smooth Operator Podcast. It's available on all the major platforms. That's awesome. So guys, make sure to check it out. If you want to be a better operator, better at hiring, better at leading over managing, I think you should definitely follow Adam for sure. So that was amazing, Adam, once again. Any last word before we conclude the entire podcast session for today? I would just say for all of you out there, you are changing the world. We, Our world is changing faster than ever possible. And most of the people I work with are in their coaches, their course creators, they're focused on that economy. That economy is going to go through incredibly rapid shifts in the next two to five years. So buckle up, get ready for the journey and know that you are making a difference in people's lives. You are having an impact and like believe in yourself, be proud of yourself and everything else will come through. Awesome. Beautiful message. Again, once again, Adam, thanks for this amazing opportunity. It was really cool, you know, picking your brain on this quick podcast episode. I'm sure, you know, our viewers have definitely learned a lot. So guys, just make sure to connect with Adam. Click the link in the description if you want to get the free course and that's available right there. And stay tuned for the next interview, guys. Uh, I'll be coming back with another amazing guest just like Adam so that we could grow together. This is me, the Nikhil Sai, signing off with Adam Liet. Peace.